0: there's this game that they play called good or bad for the blacks and so i'm gonna i'm gonna read off a series of like concepts names and you tell me if you think they're good or bad okay. for the blacks the
1: blacks. <laughs> we're gonna let that fly since we you know that we black but for listeners out there right. not dare call a group of black people the black i'm just gonna throw that out there <laughs> yes please don't <laughs> You get cut down do that
0: Oh my God, I also have a game called um, Black Card Revoke that I was going to pull out, but like, maybe if we have time, we'll do both. But anyway, um, okay, so the first, good or bad for the Blacks, Kanye West, good or bad for the Blacks. Hi friends, welcome to another episode of Equality Matters. I'm your host, Mandy Bynum, CEO and co-founder of the Race Equality Project. Yo, people, dogs, cats, birds, plants, guinea pigs. We are down to our last three episodes of season one of Quality Matters. Can you believe it? It's been an amazing experience chatting with all of our guests. I've learned so much. Have had so much joy. Cup has been runneth over with fulfillment. And I've we've loved bringing you these amazing conversations throughout the year. This episode in particular, is special to me personally, because A, these women are such an inspiration to me as they continue to show me what's possible and are consistent reminders that being yourself is your most valuable asset, just truly. Blair Hervey and Karen Foster are the leaders of the amazing organization called The Visionary Squad. It's a design studio that specializes in creating networking experiences that cultivate meaningful relationships, Powerful Connections and Transformative Conversations. They are media hosts, facilitators, experienced consultants who create the many different strategies to bring black women together to create transcultural experiences and ultimately influence systemic change. And in 2020, these two women brought a global community of black women together to learn from other spouse black women all across different industries. And what's most importantly, the community was so welcoming that there were consistent attendees of other intersecting identities who were there every Monday from five to six, learning about all of this rich goodness that people had to share. Their Monday show they hosted was called 2020 Inc. Cancelled. And this segment was so fulfilling for me that even talking about it on the podcast I get emotional again because it was such a gift every monday evening especially starting last march when we were getting locked up and we couldn't get out that was you know my exit from the house so without further ado i am so excited to have you listen to this interview with the visionary squad see you on the other side uh, all right, thank you, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I am with Blair and Karen, the oh, that kind of rhymes. Blair and Karen, I like that. Uh, the founders of uh, the Visionary Squad, um, and and just so you know, I'm going to do an introduction. You sent me your bios, so we're not going to spend a ton of time of like your career story. But I would love to know, you know, how you two met, how the Visionary Squad came to be what it is today, and not necessarily like. Um, a ton about the visionary squad itself but like as humans how did it come about like how did how did this idea spark Ken, did
1: you want to
2: go first can we hop in sure i can start so yeah so we met at a pdx women of color event so i was working that event and then a few weeks later we met up at starbucks And just started talking about events and different things that we've done um, as it relates to doing things in the community for Black women. And then from there, Uh we realized where we were aligned, and we offer different strengths. So Blair's corporate strategist, I'm the experienced curator, and so we've kind of been working
1: together ever since. So that's, like, how we met. So I don't know if you want to take Uh it Yeah, I mean, I would say the sand in the bottle, like the, the little minutia part was... Um, When I did meet Karen, it was an easy conversation. It was mainly because I knew I was where Mm -hmm. I was supposed to be, which was in the midst of black women. And um, instead of competing, because I had an organization in Atlanta, um, No Catty All Kitty, which was all about bringing black women together. I was just like, hey, why not just join them? there's no reason to actually compete, let's actually collaborate. Karen welcomed me with open arms, like, yes, girl, let's get this done. And it really um, just carried into the DNA of who we are as the Visionary Squad. We are open, we're about community, and um, we have that hate girl, hate energy. So I just love that it was authentic. Awesome.
0: Yes. So tell us, tell us more, because our audience is, is pretty widespread. Tell us more about the PDX Women of Color and what that was and, and what brought you to there, um, to the point where you met.
2: Yeah, so PDX Women of Color was an organization that was local to Portland and Southwest Washington, and mm-hmm. bringing women together. Um, they would have different events um, around different things, and every year they had, for the last couple of years, they had like a conference, a beauty to brunch, and then ended with thrive before the pandemic. And so they met mm-hmm. monthly. And they would really just meet, you'd meet different people, do some icebreakers. Um, sometimes there was like a marketplace and so people would be there with their things to sell. Um, but it was really an opportunity for Black women and women of color to really see that we're here in Portland and to connect in that way.
0: Yeah. Do you think that's, I mean, we we often hear about, uh, for those who don't know Portland, it can seem as very progressive and very white very, like, progressive to a fault. And so... And I talked to my brother who's moving to Portland and, Mm -hmm. you know, he also knows who it's, it's very white. And I feel like... There, anytime I've been to Portland, I have felt so much more of a community than I have here in the Bay Area of people of color. And what do you, what do you, what would you attribute that to? I mean, is it is, would it be the same in Atlanta, or is there something special about Portland?
1: You know, I mean, so I lived think? in both cities. I lived in Atlanta for eleven or twelve years, and um, you know, I really didn't think about diversity as much outside of my workspace. So I work in a predominantly white male space in, in tech sales. Um, So coming together was something Mm -hmm. that we did naturally. It was just, it was one of those moments where it was an opportunity to network, get dressed when we could, when outside was open, right? Um, Have some drinks and, you know, know, share the things that were really important to us. Here in the Portland area, so I'm in Vancouver, Washington, Karen and I both are, you have to be very intentional, but also very Mm -hmm. specific, I believe, about the type of folks that you want Mm -hmm. to connect with. Um, because there can be this like historic energy of, you know, the, the native Port, Portlandians versus, you know, the transplants or the new community members. But there's a sweet spot in there for folks who are welcoming of those new folks and new, new perspectives. And they want something. Um, and we know that when we come together, we can really thrive together so i would say that there's some differences um but as long as you know who you are at the core of who you are and your value and what you have to offer and what you're looking for then you can find your you know your group of folks what would you say karen yeah yeah yeah
2: um being from here and then leaving so being from here even though i've always known that it was majority white always felt like an outsider um here and then going away to an hbcu and then living in chicago I forgot what it was like being here. So I got used to just Mm. being around Black people, seeing people of color, being in communities, um, being welcomed in spaces, um, and being just around more like-minded people too. So I forgot about it. So when I came back here, I did have this, idea in my head that i'd automatically be able to plug to the community because i still had roots here my parents are here my siblings are right. here i have friends here that wasn't the case um to blair's point i definitely had to be intentional and it was and it was different as an adult because now i'm just like i gotta it's never been hard for me to make friends and connect with people and so to be somewhere where i grew up and to have had community And then to see it be so different was definitely a challenge. Um, It definitely, um, there was that period the first, I would say the first year and a half, two years that I was here, I was definitely like, I feel invisible. I'm just about to just travel, see my friends and that'll be my fix. That's going to have to be. And I'll just put my head down and work was kind of how I was starting to feel because I was trying to connect with people and I was being intentional, but I was also Mm. getting blown off or people not showing up or just people being different. And, and yeah. so it wasn't until I really connected with PDX Women of Color where I found more people who were in the same position that I was in, whether they were from here and moved back or, look, or their transplants, looking for communities. So that made all the difference for me. So I can't compare yeah. it to California in that way um, because I'm, my mom is from Pasadena. So like Pasadena and L.A. seem to be very different than other parts of California. So but that's my experience yeah. and how it's been.
0: Yeah, I I would love to to park there for a second, Karen. Because tell me what what you mean by different when you came back. Was it a completely different city, or did you just see it differently because of your experiences outside mm-hmm. of Portland?
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I had grown so much, so I was a different person than when I left,
1: mm-hmm. and so
2: it was different in the way that I think because I was different. So I'm into I think different things. I left as a teenager, now grown woman. So you know, so I was looking for different things in terms of networking professionally, um, finding people who were into, how are we gonna get to the next level in our careers? And so when I came back, I thought that would be automatic because it was instant in Chicago. It was, Mm. there was a lot of networking events that were tailored around business professionals um, with the intent to connect um, and to build networks and things like that. So I just thought it would be easy. I also came back thinking that I had a lot to offer um, professionally, uh, personally and I kind of felt like some people may have taken that the wrong way so even though I'm coming back with all this energy and ready to do all this stuff I think that some mm-hmm. people felt that I was trying that maybe I was better than that was never my intention but I do have a different experience that I was open about sharing and so mm-hmm. in that it seemed like the more I shared sometimes the more people were like ah, I don't know and so it was just different in that way so I definitely. um started to uh, just rethink how I was approaching situations. So I did for a while just shy away from meeting people all together, like
0: the same. You mean people in general or people of color specifically?
2: mm, People in general, because Mm. it kind of just felt like in white spaces I'm invisible and I'm going through this trying to be seen moment. But there's also things that were triggering from being here from high school and things like that. So I was just like, I'm over all of it. And Mm. it just wasn't, hard for me when I left here so it was immediately connecting with people I'd meet people for coffee for drinks for dinner for lunch and I had I mean my friends will tell you yeah we met once and we've been cool ever since like and so when I came back again I thought it would be like that even my friends that I'd been friends with for a long time we're still friends and we still get together it was just different because we had grown so differently and I was into different things, going to plays and not that, some of my friends were just not open to that. Um, just even traveling and how I see the world, spaces I was trying to be in, it's just not everyone's jam to do certain things. And I just, I kind of assumed too that, oh, these are all cool things. Everybody wants to do it and that's just mm-hmm. not the case. And so I had to mm-hmm. be a little bit more mindful of that as well.
0: Yeah, wow.
2: thanks for sharing. Mm-hmm. Um.
0: How about you, Blair? You, you moved from Atlanta to, to the Pacific Northwest. And where were you, were, are you originally from? Atlanta?
1: Nope. So I was born in Dallas, Texas, raised in Louisville, Kentucky. And then I launched my um, sales Ooh. career in the Atlanta area in Atlanta. Um, and I moved here about three years ago or so. So I didn't have mm-hmm. the experience of living here or even visiting here. I think I visited mm-hmm. twice. And I remember, um, and, and I moved out here for a job. I remember the Uber driver even saying, so you're moving here from Atlanta? Have you um, read that document or watched that documentary? I can't remember the name of it at this moment. I was just like, no. And so she gave me the, the information. She was just like, you know, there's a, a history of racism here. I'm like, you know, I'm moving from Atlanta, right? Like <laughs> there's a history A, you know, moving from America. Uh, anywhere in America, there's a history of racism. Yeah. So it, it wasn't. Um, anything that I didn't anticipate, I didn't realize that, you know, like the area that I live in in Vancouver is 2.9% black, as opposed to the area that I was living in was 23.9% black, but it was also much much more diverse. Um, I didn't realize that I would Mm -hmm. experience that culture shock, shock, but much like Karen, you know, going into PDX Women of Color, which still exists to this day, it's just a, a, I believe it's a, a different format, but going into that space, actually met one of um, the first black women she actually invited me to that particular event and I knew that I was in the right space because again I knew what I was looking for so unlike Karen you know I didn't have the experience of knowing these same people and then coming back you know evolved I just knew exactly who I was looking for and I was able to attract that energy and that's why you know Karen and I have you know been thick as thieves I had to convince her to be my friend though let's be clear but uh, yeah. I think it's really, really important to know what you need out of a network of people. And I was like, I need you, girl. I need this yeah. energy. I need this, you know, logical, analytical voice. I need that, um, you know, in my life. And I hope she feels the same. I, I would assume so. And calming
0: and like just really chill. Actually. I don't know if you're happy on the inside, but you look happy on the outside. That's all that matters. You know, <laughs> just love it. Um, so there was two two huge reasons why I want to talk to you, you two specifically. One, like what you created last year for me was like church. Like I don't wanna get the clunked about it. Um, but it was so cool to have that space virtually when when I goddamn it.
1: Yay. When
0: I needed it. Um and to celebrate each other. I think it was really cool. Um so hold on.
1: thank you, man. Oh, thank you. I really felt that that's why we created it, honey. Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: So, so tell me more about like, right in the last year. So it's been, I think for, again, for me, I have been able to connect with so many more of us because we're not separated by space and time so much. Mm -hmm. Um, However, where it's, we've been dealing with a lot of shit. On our own, I think and that hasn't gone away, but I think it's been more shit, like more educating, more like having to be the only person in the room, in the rooms, in the virtual rooms that we're in. And like, I don't know about you, but last year I was like, you know what? I am so done educating people who really don't actually care about this. So like, yes, they're gonna pay me a lot of money, but they're paying me a lot of money to like absorb all of their racism all the time, and I'm just like so tired of that. And so it was so nice to be in a space of us just sharing and about each other and supporting one another. So um, tell me more about like what, how you've had, and if you were experiencing the same thing, and if you are still experiencing it, and what the last year has been like for the two of you while
1: I dry up a little bit. Oh, yeah. We just wanna virtual hugs. I'm wrapping my arms around. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's what we created it for. Hug, hug, hug. looks like you were about to hop in there. Did you wanna start?
2: Mm, I'm trying to, I don't know where to start with that. So I think for me, in 2020, um, in terms of absorbing other people's racism, I do work in higher ed, and so I would say since I made the career shift about two, two and a half years ago to work in higher ed after working in corporate and coming to Washington, uh, it was definitely different in that regard where before everything in 2020 happened, we were doing a lot of anti-racism work and all this stuff. So I was already drained before 2028 canceled, like in terms with that. I was already at a place of, we got another workshop, we got all these different things. And so when we started 2028 canceled, it was the release and also the fuel for me. So having that space every Monday was helpful in the regards to, it brought us all together. We were able to have a space for us, created by us, And we had all this, hey, girl, hey, girl, you know, energy, this love and, you know, for the hours. So when I had to go back into these other spaces and do this diversity and equity work, I actually think I found my voice and power to also say no to some things, too. And I wasn't doing that Mm. before. So the things I didn't want to attend or the things I didn't want to do, I didn't and it took a lot to get to that point but it it does it's exhausting right because you know they're asking you to do every single thing and be the spokesperson and do all this um so i did have to start saying no to some things but in 2020 i also found a group of people that i do do facilitation for that actually want to do the work and that actually yeah. and it brings me joy because it's it's a different experience than i've ever had with white people and other people um, from different backgrounds who are actually here to learn and to grow and who are leaning into it. So that kind of gave me some hope a little bit on that, okay, I can do this. But it also made me feel more empowered to choose the spaces in which I'm going to do this work. So even though I work for a college and it's part of my job, there are parts of it that I've had to say no to as well. And then again, coming back to 2028 canceled and having our events, it kind of, it really does give me like the fuel I think I need to get through and do these other things. um, So that I can show up in these other black spaces and be not only filled, but poured into everyone else. And so again, I just would say that I had to put some boundaries in place and I learned that in 2020,
1: for sure. Yeah. How about you, Blair? Uh, Yeah, 2020 was definitely an obstacle course. I I think I put my stride right at the height of the pandemic and i quit my job Mm -hmm. and started my consulting business um and then moving into april we launched 2028 canceled and everything was going very well Mm -hmm. we started locally with about 30 women and we were talking about topics that help them elevate their mindset, become a better version of themselves and create those game winning strategies for absolutely every season, which came out of this particular season. And so, Mandy, you know, I'm loving, you know, your energy because that is the energy that people felt comfortable with exuding on that call, whether it was tears or, hey, girl, hey, or, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm tired of this. What should I do? We had an opportunity to collectively heal in a way that we had never experienced or never even um, even imagined i think so i'm really proud of the work that we did together we ended up averaging about 150 people every single week on that particular call Um, we thought about accessibility so we offered that call for free and it became a global vision hence Mm -hmm. the visionary squad yeah and so, um, yeah. we didn't want to abandon you know the the current foundation, but we knew that there was um, a thread of of love and energy that we could carry into this new vision. Um And so, when I think about you know, when I started hitting those trials and those tribulations, you know, starting in August, I believe that we built um, a skill set, and we we not created a thicker skin, mm-hmm. but we we learned, we became much more equipped to handle situations that we may have been less equipped, whether it was emotionally, whether it was professionally. Um, and so we started hitting yeah. our stride. So even when I wasn't there, or couldn't be there due to family things. You know, Karen and our partner at the time was able to pick things up. And I think we learned some valuable lessons from that. Yeah, And that helped us, you know, just continue to be strong business partners moving forward in, into 2021. It was a tough year to Yeah. So yeah, what,
0: it was, it, it, like, I can only imagine. And the, I was so, anytime I talked to him, like, you're still going every single Monday. You still have these amazing guests every single Monday. How did you, um, for those who don't know, can you talk a little bit about like what exactly Twenty Twenty canceled was, what the format is, and how you and then how you went about finding guests, um, guests every single sure. week. Sure,
1: um, I'll start with you know the origin story, and I'm sure Karen can talk a little bit more about you know this um, awesome run of show that she created in that format. Um, but like I was saying before, you know, in March I really hit that that stride when a lot of people. Mm-hmm were experiencing anxiety around their jobs or potentially losing their jobs or if they hadn't already. Um, A lot Mm -hmm. of folks were exhausted during that month of March, you know, being inside and experiencing this pandemic and being quarantined and meanwhile i was using that time to stay up 24 hours which is not a boast at all but a couple of nights um you know uh, during that month i would stay up 24 hours to work the back end of my website to think about my offering and my services Mm -hmm. so i utilized that time in a big way and i when i spoke to karen about this idea i was like man you know this is a great opportunity for us to to feed off the energy from our thrive conference uh, you know, just a few months before and bring it to a virtual space yeah. when everyone else is not doing anything. We knew we had an opportunity to add right. value when no one else knew what to do. So we had to pivot very quickly. Um, so we created a fun uh, virtual and very interactive um, virtual uh, platform. Um, Karen, do you want to share a little bit more about what that, mm-hmm. not the, the actual run of show, but, you know, kind of that format, what that looks like?
2: Yeah. So, y- you asked about like how we source speakers and things like that. Really, we were sliding in people's DMs, LinkedIn, um, every platform out there. If we saw something interesting that they were doing and it fit our topic, um, we definitely reached out to them um, every week. So, And we continue to do that now, just reaching out to people and our goal was to also give people voices who normally aren't asked to be on platforms. So we were talking to people mm-hmm. with lived experience as long as well as people that are experts, but we wanted to make sure that all voices are getting to the table and that they're being heard. And that just because you're not a, a quote unquote expert, your lived experience counts for a lot too. And you know, this is a place for you. And so that was something that we wanted to be very intentional about. And so we meet with them on Fridays for 30 minutes we give them all of you know the information they need as you know in advance to be prepped and ready and We just, we want, like, not that we're trying to stage anything, but we want everyone to come on our platform and be prepared. We want to set it up for success, not only for them, but for our audience, because it is the last Zoom call of the day Mm -hmm. on a Monday. And I'm pretty sure, especially now, everyone has probably hit Zoom fatigue. So we want to make sure that we have a great experience. But not only are they having a great time, but that they're actually able to leave with different things that they can apply to their lives. And so that's pretty much how it all comes together every week but i don't want,
0: i don't want anyone thinking re- listening to this thinking that this this was like a super formal call mm-hmm. like it was like straight right. foo boo it was straight <laughs> energy it was straight like let's build each other up all women of yeah. color mm-hmm. and i just love that you were like no uh, like if you're going to ask a question ask a question and it was just such a such an energizing hour and, you know, I got hit up in, in the DMs to be there. And it was so cool to be a part of that. I don't even remember what the topic is. I think I blacked out the whole time because I was just having so much fun. Uh, uh, but I, 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 like, that's a lot of work. I think people don't really understand how much work that is to, like, find the guests, to go in the DMs, mm-hmm. to, like, prep questions every single Monday, um, especially when you're not necessarily charging people. Right. Um, and it wasn't even your full-time job. That is- right.
1: Correct. Yeah.
0: And so, which this might shock some, some of our white friends, um, <laughs> can you, but it's not like, to me, it's not uncommon. Um, can you talk about like your experiencing doing this on the side? Um, and, and like in your mind where you like, I can, I can only like, what was, how would, how did you keep balance? Blair used, you, you didn't sleep, apparently. Um, but, like, it, t- typical folks, I feel like, who graduate from Stanford Business School, they start a business just for shits and giggles to start a business, and they automatically get funding. Um, but that just doesn't typically happen for people like us. And so, like, Tell us about that part of it like the the fatigue and and keeping your your day job and doing and what what kept you all going
1: yeah um that's a a really good question um again, it's not a boast it it's more so i was just so energized. Um, I have two businesses. We both actually have two businesses. We have our own individual um, organizations. I have um, the Corporate Strategist, which focuses focuses on diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging consulting for nonprofits and for tech organizations, as well as I'm a career coach. And Mm -hmm. Karen has KF Curates, and she's an experienced curator, and she creates these outstanding um, virtual events as well as live events. And she handles the execution and the day-to-day, as well as a plethora of uh, other things. So we have those two businesses, then Mm -hmm. we have the Visionary Squad, and we have our nine to five. Like I think for us, um, it's not a side business. It's business as usual. Like we thread in business all day long. Um, I love how we operate now because we are not on autopilot. We know what has to be done. We trust each other and those things get done. Uh, We have a nine to five. There was a podcast I was listening to earlier in the week and the woman said, you know, if you really want to take things further and you have to fund your own business, you work your nine to five, but you should also be about your nine to five for, you know, work. But then you have your you work six to nine to build your fortune. And um, I think we live right. by that, but it's also 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. <laughs> it's also noon to one. It's also those after hours where we're just willing to put in the work because we we see the vision. Um, we see, you know, being on the cover of Essence, we see building a community that no one else has ever um, created before and that's accessible to specifically now Black women. We um, we know that it takes the work. And so I, I can't even explain um, how we're fueled aside from serving our community. Mm-hmm. I, that's what I go to sleep thinking about. That's what I wake up thinking about.
0: Yeah. and. Um, there's two things that come for this. I want to talk about black girl magic and, you know, what it actually means. And also, um, this, this calling of like, yes, I, I do feel this need to keep my full-time job, but I also, this is the other thing that I'm also working on. And that's, that's again, nothing to sneeze at. Like you are, um, doing the absolute most in what people would do in a week. Or a month in one day um, and so again like it's not actual magic it's just really really hard work and being energized by a particular cause and also I, I feel like a lot of times we are tagged and I don't for, in my experience it's like we are tagged as these constant givers like we're not in it for the money we shouldn't be in it for the money because if we're in it for the money we're seen as like money hungry um, when it's like the absolute opposite like we should be in it for the money and we should be creating business models and although we're creating community there's no reason that there shouldn't be money made from that because white people do all the time um so uh, like tell me if you if you if you think about black girl magic like how how does that how does that feel sometimes now that it's like it's not magic it's just what we do. And like, also, we should be making money like we should we should be paid for the amount of like magic we're creating.
1: I mean, I would definitely agree with you that it is not just uh, I mean, it's magic because, you know, our gender and our skin color and we are these double outsiders and people, you know, pay money to look like us. And, you know, we are the original human. I mean, of course, let's not, you know, we don't have to get too spiritual or historical or religious, but we are, right? But we are. So with that, um, you know, yes, there's definitely some, some magic and some supernatural forces, um, but th- those are our gifts. With us, we are activating those gifts and that part is not magic. That part is, yes, manifestation, but we have to manif- manifest the fortitude and the foresight and the vision and the hard work and the uh, perseverance as well. That's what folks do, you know? I mean, especially with that word being so popular, we want to manifest, we want things to just come to us. Um, Mm -hmm. But the hard work is what really props that up. So yes, there's magic in all of that. uh, But like you said, it takes grit to really make these things happen.
0: Yeah. And more even more with that there I, I, and in your doing coaching blur I do as well for a lot of other women of color and I find myself often like a you know, savior for example but like not understanding sometimes how other black women aren't quite there yet and not and I, I get frustrated because like I sh- I needed that grace when I was in my twenties because I just like was something wasn't clicking or like I just wasn't working hard enough or I thought that I deserved things like I was spending too much time thinking about how this isn't fair. Do you feel like that those conversations through twenty twenty canceled or through your coaching or just in your community um, that you're forming that there that energy is shifting in any way?
1: Um, yes, I think the platform that we've created. Um, So, 2028 Canceled continues to live on through the Visionary Call, which we still host every month, um, every Monday at 5 p.m. PST. And on that particular call, I think we are giving people um, the tools that they need to move beyond, you know, a victim mentality. Like, everything is happening to Mm -hmm. me. Everything is a struggle. Um, I'm just maintaining. And we put women in, in this space where they're almost forced to level up and i again i think about you know the relationship that karen and i have um there's this energy that just instantly happens and we have to show up and with whatever we're not equipped to handle we go read a book we go ask a mentor we go hop on another platform and learn from the the best folks doing it Um, but i think we've created that energy so it helps our audience as well Karen, Karen, what do you think?
2: Yeah, I would agree. I think going back to what you were saying about like Black Girl Magic and everything, I think that Black women, like because we've always been multitaskers and doing a lot. So I think that it's in us to do it. So whenever I think of Black Girl Magic and when I think of just my life and everything, like, you know, I am working these, you know, a job, a nine to five. I am doing KF Curates. I am doing the Visionary Squad. I am taking care of my father and like doing all of these other things. But the one thing that uh, when I thought about this question is I'm also a one of five kids. And I just feel like and where I fall in that, I feel like I've always been um, taking care of or doing something or managing multiple things. So it doesn't always feel like it's hard it feels like well I gotta do this if I want this and I have to do this so when I think about it I also think you know we hear it all the time like black women are top tier but I also think we're the blueprint like we've been doing so much that this is who we are but it's also like we're the blueprint everyone's trying to beat us which is why they're intimidated by us and why they try to stop us but I think that it's you know to Blair's point it is the grit and it is so Mm -hmm. deeply rooted in us now and I think especially now and I think that even why more women more black women are starting their own business everyone is tired of being mistreated of microaggressions of racism but also I think there's this awakening happening that every most black women are realizing I don't need these people I can build my own table I can build you know build this event space like it was said on that one Mm -hmm. video like we can build these things and they can come to us and we can charge them top coin. Yeah. Cause now we're here. And I think we like, now I do think that we are realizing that we have more power than we thought we did. And I think there was a time where we thought, and I'm definitely one of those people. I never saw myself as a business owner. I always saw myself working in corporate and it wasn't until I felt like I, I wasn't living in purpose and I felt like I was just these titles, but then at the same time, getting to the last round of interviews, right? Where the, Your boss told you to apply for this job, you're ready for it, but now they add one more thing to it. So you're like, well, what do you mean? Like I have all the things before, that's why I'm in the last final rounds of interviews. Now it's one thing. And I think it's that I had to realize I need to, my purpose is serving. And so then I switched to higher ed. And even though working in higher ed, it has, I like what I'm doing for students, but i also look at it completely different like i can do this on the side under kf curates and do more and i think more black women right. know that i can do more without all of this other these barriers that are constantly going to be in play and i think that that's why we're like black girl magic we are everything we are the blueprint and i think that we need to just keep owning that and giving these young women more to know that they don't have to work for anyone if they don't want to it should be their choice and if they're not getting what they need they should walk away and i just think that that's what we're able to do even with the visionary squad every monday every call i think that we're empowering so many women to make choices mm-hmm. that they may not have made had they not come to our call
0: so so true so true <laughs> So thinking about you know we don't you know whatever corporations if you if you don't want our talent like we the three of us have shown that like we we will work for you and, and get your benefits and get what we need mm-hmm. from you uh, but we're also going to do what we want to do on on yeah. you're the side you're the yeah. side business. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, like these corporations are missing out and and yeah. I think it's it's so disappointing and so disheartening, not disheartening, but just disappointing to see over and over again, mm-hmm. you know, coming in contact with these corporations who don't like can't see past their own their own white conditioning, if you will, mm-hmm. to like not think about why it's so important to invest in their black talent because that black talent is forming businesses on the side. That black talent is not doing their best work at your company because there's no like hope they don't see anyone in the leadership positions that they want and why do you think what do you think it would take or does it not matter anymore
1: you know i say in some of these spaces and when i'm here when i'm listening to you i'm reflecting on some of my experiences where they have invested in me i'll I'll say that and i'll well, yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. talk about that for a moment. Like they, they, will, you know, send you to get that certification. They will put you in that leadership program, um, but I think that that investment happens to a certain extent, just so you can get right about here. Not enough. Not and there's not a path mm-hmm. for you, for you to get to the C-suite. Um, there's not succession planning that's in place. Uh, instead, you know, the the normal or the regular folks. Um, the the continuous folks are typical folks are being tapped on the shoulders for these roles, so I mean so a lot of these changes have to change systemically. But if they change systemically, they're not going to benefit benefit their friends anymore. They're not going to benefit the people that they started these businesses with. I've been in organizations that have been built on nepotism, and then we when we start paying mm-hmm. attention and start saying, well, why is this person in this particular role, or we're peers, I should be paid as much as this particular person. Then that's when Uh things go awry. And that's when credentials are brought up and things of that nature. So I'm just a firm believer, um, Mandy, of like you said, going into these organizations and getting what we need. And if that organization is smart, I mean, not that we should be tokenized, but they'll leverage the experience and our passion in a way that does prop up their departments and does prop up their businesses, pay us accordingly and know that we're going to leave. Like if, if nothing else, it, right. it actually still shines a light on their organization when we go le- when we leave and we do group things because right. people coming up are thinking, okay, what path do I need to be able to take to get to where Karen is? What path do I need to take to get to where Mandy is? What path do I need? Oh, they started at this organization in this role. They're going to do that. So if organizations start thinking about right. the end game, either okay, this person is has uh, the fire and the entrepreneurial spirit, um, they're most likely going to go this direction. They're going to leave the organization. Let's create a path for them, not just out, but up and out, right, to fit where they want to go. Or right. this is someone that can see themselves retiring from this organization. As long as we're going to be in business, how do we create a path for them to the C-suite if that's where they want to go? So. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think the investments are happening, but they're very surface level. They're not strategic and they're not long lasting. And so that's why it, it's hard to truly believe. Right. It.
0: Yeah, because it's not, it's only, um, I always forget the term. Uh, it, it is only until it doesn't benefit the majority culture anymore, which is, which is tough because th- like there's just neat little things that can be done. To actually have it benefit everyone, um, but it doesn't typically happen, and that's you know, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? Um, let's turn to to you two with with what's been what how it's how the visionary squad has transformed you as humans, um, and how it's impacted the way that you do business, how you how you show up at your nine to five, um, and things you've had to unlearn or learn at the same time. Ooh. Yeah, I understand?
1: mean, I know for me, um, I know I'm a boss. And so I I, said, I saw something on Girl Boss, uh, one of those little memes or whatever, their um, Instagram page that said, she said, yes, I'm an outstanding boss, but I'm a lazy employee. I'm like, oh, goodness <laughs> gracious. Mm. And so that is something that I have to unlearn in myself because with the work that we do, we're, you know, we're co-founders. We are the business owners, but we still mm-hmm. have to get the work done. We still have to execute. Um, I think something else that we've learned is, We can't pay people to do the work that we've been called to do. And now there are some things that we're going to outsource and we need to outsource. But there are some things that God is just like, you have to learn how to do this. Like you're going to have to touch it. You're going to have to put your hands on it. You're going to have to, you know, uh, you know, get the elbow grease going. And then perhaps you can hire an employee. Then you can teach other folks how it needs to be done. And we have to be able to articulate our vision because our vision has shifted just a little bit. Right? We're now focused on collective healing um, and community, as well as helping black women get to the coin. So when we think about these three areas, it's shifted a little bit from our work that we did with PDX Women of Color. We have to be in position to articulate that. So as much as I say I'm a boss, if I'm gonna be a boss, I have to you know, act accordingly and be that visionary. I don't need to be the smartest person in the room. How can I help you know, other people go further? How can I be a genius maker? So those are the things that I start thinking about as yeah. we embark on this new opportunity together with the visionary squad.
0: Yeah, I feel that so deeply. <laughs> Karen,
1: did you in as well?
2: <laughs> yeah, so what I learned about myself is like when you work behind the scenes, you're not always in the spotlight and it can just be it can be invisible, right? And so I had to learn and I'm still learning to really own my lane of change and my lane to make impact is felt through experiences. And that's okay, Mm. right? Because if you've gone to a great event and you had a great experience, I did that. So like, Mm -hmm. you know, I had to get to that place and it was hard. And so because um, I think that I was still seeking some validation. And so I really had to dig deeper within myself Mm. to really examine, well, what do I need that for? Is it ego? Is it, you know, is that where I feel value? Like, what really is it? And I think that through... Um, 2020 canceled, I definitely think through that in the different topics that we covered, it forced me to really think about my role as a change maker and it is behind the scenes and it is okay, it's where I thrive, mm-hmm. it's my lane of, you know, my zone of genius as it says in the book leaf. And it's just, you know, owning that and feeling confident in that and understanding that, you know, you're not always gonna get the, thank you Karen for this or whatever and it's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, But if you've done the experience, like, that is where I just feel like my purpose is, you know, behind the scenes and it's okay. And so I just really struggled at first with, like, really owning that in a way to be proud of it. And, you know, Mm. it's, it's a process. So I think that's what I've learned. And then the other thing is just boundaries. Like, with working all of these different things, it's hard sometimes to continue to maintain boundaries, to enforce them, to stick to them to realize where you need to add new ones and change. And I think that that's been another big thing for me.
0: Yeah. So how in, in creating boundaries, how have you seen um, the inquiries change?
2: I have to use time schedules for everything. So because I do care for my father and he has different, Um, Needs sometimes when I'm doing stuff, I can hear him knocking on my door, like that he needs something. So we had to set up a boundary for that. Like every day, I kind of give them the rundown of my schedule, um, on Mm. what I need to do, where I'm going to be, and when I absolutely cannot be bothered. And I had to learn to not feel guilty for that, because sometimes it's really hard, you know. And then same thing on the other side is okay. This is the date and time that I'm available. This is how long, and just trying to really stick to those boundaries and before i didn't have them if we change plans i was like okay i'll figure it out okay i'll figure it out and sometimes it just felt like too much um and then i am grumpy and i have an attitude and it's all
1: because i just didn't mm-hmm. say what i really should have said from the beginning
0: mm-hmm. yeah the communication yeah as what about you blair um,
1: no i i mean i would agree with karen as far as boundaries are concerned i mean just now uh i'm, I'm realizing Uh, you know, my relationship with my son even over the past, you know, three months or so. And we definitely hit um, a new level (laughs) of communication and how to connect with one another. And, um, you know, I can't put it all on me or him, but I did realize that we both had contributed to you know, the the demise of our relationship and our communication at one point. Mm. And even though he's a 17 year old and he's about to be 18 in like 10 days, six days, actually, um, mm. I had to think about, okay, that those 24 hour evenings, those 24 hour evenings were dedicated to work. How can I put in more time with my son? This is a time when he needs mm. um, all eyes on him. So, you know, I may have learned it a little bit late. So I've learned not to be, feel guilty about it. Uh, but I have learned that, okay, let's work towards, and Karen actually thought of the idea, but let's work towards Saturdays off. Let's work towards making sure that, you know, in our evenings, um, we disconnect from our phones and we work on a puzzle. Um, you know, we went and got some healing stuff yesterday. I got a little sound bowls, some sage, right. got a new little routine, we got a meditation area. So those boundaries for me just really means taking our healing seriously and communicating with my son more and being clear with Karen as well. Like, hey this is what I have to do. And she respects it. So that's why it works.
0: Yeah. And I heard you say a couple of times that 24 hour thing, goes, and I, I just want to like, stop there for a second, because I think it needs to be reset that um, us putting ourselves first is, is more important than we think. And it shows up in ways that we don't even realize. And when we don't do it, it also shows up in ways we don't realize that are also very harmful, not only to ourselves, but to others. Mm-hmm. And be, and because we're not, you know, fixing what's in here or tuning up what's in here, um, it can have serious impacts that really at the end of the day, just continue to hurt ourselves. Um, and that's, you know, for me, I've realized that through motherhood and also starting my own business and like how I work with my co-founder. Um, but i'm sure it's not been easy for you as you make different decisions about what who is going to be on your team who's going to be moving forward because there is that i'm sure there is that loyalty and wanting to care for others um yeah
1: i think something else that i learned um through 2020 is we have to stop deciding who's going to come with us and then where we're going instead you decide where Mm. you're going and then who comes with you and what we've learned is that the folks that are coming with you are going to come with you. You won't have to pull or drag them along. And it's um, you're attracting the energy that you're putting out into the universe. So if we're thinking big, you know, folks that are thinking big are coming right along beside us. And um, it's okay. I think that's a beautiful thing. I think it's a beautiful thing.
0: Yeah. Oh, so well. I, mean, I want to make sure I write that down later. Uh, you have to decide where you're going and who's going to come with, as opposed to who's with you and where you're going.
1: Where you going first? Mm. Again, know who.
0: You so you've had.
1: I was just saying, What's again, that? know who you are at your core. Know what your north star is. What's the vision?
0: Yeah, and you've had amazing guests of the last year. Amazing women of color. Amazing bouses. The one that I remember, who I've been following, is Alex, who started um, get shit done and just being on some of her calls. I'm like, I wouldn't have never, I would never have known if I hadn't have attended 2028 canceled, which by the way, I believe was initially like, not necessarily intended for a global audience. It was really just for women in Mm -hmm. Portland, right? Or the Portland area. Yeah. Um, So what are some things that you've learned either from people, specific people in the audience or your guests around? Um, Like, what are some, some things that you remember that you picked up that you just like can't forget?
1: say as an, as an overarching theme is that um, what I've learned from the audience is that uh, this is free therapy for them. So we attempted mm. to change our business model at the beginning of the year and offer our call once a month. Yeah. And we were going to charge, or what well, we did for a couple of episodes. Uh, and they were like, girl, we're not here for this. And so... Now that we're back (laughs) to the format that's familiar to them, I mean, we have 100 people that are already registered for Monday's call, um, and we're just back to, we're getting back to, you know, ramping up that audience. So what we've learned from them is to stay community obsessed. Uh, Listen to what they're saying. Listen to what their needs are and give that to them and they'll show up. Mm -hmm. What I learned from our speakers, much like Karen said, mainly because we look for the folks that have the lived experience and they may be very raw. You don't have to have a perfect story to share your story. It's still worth being told. Mm. And I love that we create a platform and space for them to do that and uh, to offer everything that they have.
0: Yeah. And have there been any guests? um, And not that you need to name anyone by name, but, like, do you have any regulars who are just, like, bring so much personality, bring, you know... There's always that one person who like asks the question, but does isn't actually asking question. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> do you do you still do you have that kind of following as well? Because that that's just yeah. like my favorite.
1: <laughs> still to this day, and we have new ones. Yes, we have we now do. new ones that do that, and mm-hmm. we just be like, you know, it's like the cousin that comes to the barbecue. You be like, here comes such and
2: such
1: <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>
2: All are welcome.
0: <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Okay. So I want to play a quick game. Um, this is the first time I've had a call with, and now I'm crying cause I'm laughing. Um, this is the first time I've had a quick call with or uh, interview with two women, two black women. My last one was an Ebony and Ivory combo, which was, you know, beautiful. Um, have you two ever heard of, um, what is it called? There's this game that they play called Good or Bad for the Blacks. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna read off a series of like concepts, names, and you tell me if you think they're good
1: or okay. bad for the blacks. The blacks. <laughs> We're gonna let that fly since we you know, I'm we black. But for listeners out there, do not dare call a group of black people the black. I'm just gonna throw that out there. <laughs> yes, please don't. <laughs> you get cut down and do that.
0: Oh my god. I also have a game called um, Black Card Revoke that I was going to pull out, but like maybe if we have time we'll do both. But anyway, um, okay, so the first good or bad for the blacks, Kanye West. Good, good. or bad for the blacks? And <laughs> you're going to say that, Blair. Bad. <laughs> okay, can you go into that a little bit more? That's
1: because we are not a monolith. We're not a monolith.
0: Thank you. Thank you.
2: Karen. (laughs) Although that is true, I think that he was a little bit irresponsible um, with his platform. And there are a lot of young people who who live and breathe Kanye. And I just think there's a responsibility um, that where he may have let them down. Um, Mainly with the MAGA hat is, you know, everything else I'm willing to need to be in therapy like all of us do. But the supporting of Trump and all of
1: that is is that was bad, very bad. I recall, I was there for it all. (laughs) Also, the cousin.
0: Uh, right. Yes. (laughs) Um. Okay. The next one is uh, Chloe and Haley. Hmm.
1: Those are good. They're good. Oh okay. they're great yeah. especially, yeah. especially yeah. Chloe that's yeah. been exp- expressing her femininity femininity and her sexuality and she's in her younger 20s I'm like honey bless it if you won't do it you know like you grown and you figure it out
0: yes and there will be some people who will say bad because of the exact same thing and that's what I think is just so important about what you two are doing is like yes we are not a monolith. Everyone has their story, and like everyone should be able to do their thing and express themselves, and we should be supportive of them. Yes. So i have a yes. Karen, I'm are you a yes a too? Okay. I'm a yes. Yes. <laughs> um, there was one more, and I didn't write it down. Oh, yes. Um, Cory Booker.
1: Now I just want something with Cory Booker. I don't know enough about Cory Booker to say, but I will say just based on what we've been talking about, I would say good because. Again, not a monolith. What look, Mandy is biting her lip. <laughs> why Mandy? He has been... Why, 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 why? <laughs> why? Well,
0: again, great, great, great. Um, he he has been criticized for being uh, proximal when needing to be proximal, which I think has two sides because. There is a matter of content switching that he probably has to do. A matter of code switching. He might not always get it right. Okay. You know. I could see that.
1: I can't say that I'm too passionate yeah. about that particular individual one way or another. But if you black, I'm not. I'm not about that cancel culture either. If you black and you're outspoken, typically I'm gonna say you're good for the blacks. Um, Thank you. <laughs> Love <is> it. <laughs> Um,
0: do, you, do you two, have you read White Fragility or do you know of Robin D'Angelo? I have
2: not okay, read Okay,
0: so Robin D'Angelo. Dr. Robin D'Angelo, good mm-hmm. or bad for the blacks?
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> and I will tell you before you answer this, I am neutral on all of these. I just, I don't know yet.
2: So- I read something a couple of days ago. Um, a thought piece on that book and how it's it's more or less giving uh, white women, I have not read the book, um, but the whole concept of white fragility is ne- in many cases, according to this article, was giving white women um, almost a pass or an excuse with their racism and, and to be the way they are and to show up with their tears and But at the same time, everyone else in the room, every person of color has to uh, relive trauma and all of that. And this gives them almost like, it's okay, kind of thing. And so I'd never uh, thought of it that way. And then I was like, it's on my list of things to kind of research further to see if my thoughts are different. Um, My job, Uh all of the white people were asked to read that book. Um, So I'm kind of, I don't know now. I got to do some Uh more research on the whole white fragility, the whole concept of it now, because that article definitely kind of was like, is that what we're doing when we're warning them? Like, okay, I know you might cry, but go off camera. Cause I do that a lot in my um, facilitation. I, you know, you know, this is gonna hurt, or I know this is this or whatever, but am I feeding into saying that it's okay when I do that? And so
0: uh-huh.
2: my thought on it is now a little bit different. Um, it's changing, I will say that it's changing.
1: See, I'm growing. I'm yeah. learning. Uh-huh. Um, I would say, I mean, the content of the book. Um, I don't know much about Miss Robin, but um, the content of the book is uh, a different perspective. It's an interesting perspective. Um, from my experience working with uh, white, white women who are on this journey of anti-racism, um, they are finding it troubling to be able to express themselves because of this book. So now they're starting to feel silenced uh, and I am put in a situation where I can choose to, you know, either comfort them or give them a voice. So it's it's an awkward space to be in when the conversation should just be, you know, of course I know it's not this simple, but don't be racist. Like let's let's start with racism. Let's start with who created race. Let's start with why racism is about superiority, specifically of the of of white. Um, folks let's talk about that I mean it may be hard to talk about but I think that black folks are we're all going through this collective healing thing and we're all starting to talk about intergenerational trauma a lot more and about why there's so much trauma whether uh-huh. it's slavery or beyond or you know the things that are much more immediate I don't hear white people going into this intergenerational trauma that they've experienced because of their ancestors and the, the work excuse me not the work the harm and the damage that a lot of them have done. Because if they have an opportunity to unpack uh-huh. that, and I, Karen, I think you were telling me that um, Rashida was the one that has talked a little bit about white people doing their own work and their own history, then we, we probably could meet in the, ma- in the middle to really start doing the work to dismantle racism. Um, it's not, we're not the ones that are just carrying the trauma. They're, being, they're traumatized too, but let's not feel bad about talking about race. Let's have y'all do the work about your history so you can know why black people feel the way that they do today based on 400, 600, um, et cetera, years ago. So I know there was a long answer, mm-hmm. good or bad, the content is good. I don't know anything about Robin.
0: <laughs> She's okay. very nice. I've met her. She's very cool. Uh, the, the, my, my, my trouble is with what you just said like how people receive and digest information and i think to to her best attempt it has been taken out of context in a lot of ways and taken out of its original intention which is hard for everyone um because i've been in those rooms where she's been doing facilitations and like it it is it's it's a hard place to be as one of like one or two white people or black people in the room or people of color even um thank you both so very much for taking time on your sunday can we? can i see the rest of your shirt blur i know says it says something amazing
1: imperfect <laughs> yes did. love it oh no thank you thank you yes
0: <laughs> um is there anything else you want to mention or like how should people be getting in touch with you individually and for the vision squad visionary squad
2: then go to our website. Then um, go to our website for the Visionary Squad: www.thevisionarysquad.com. Um, and did you I say www,
0: w- 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 Karen?
2: <laughs> I know, I know, <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I did. Um, and then uh, for the Visionary Squad is T the, H uh, E underscore Visionary Squad on Instagram. That is our main platform where we are. Um, yeah, and I'm on Instagram at KF underscore curates on IG.
1: What? Love it. Well, give me a okay. minute. By the time you all hear this, you all can find me at the yeah. underscore corporate underscore strategist on Instagram and Blair G. Hervey on LinkedIn and um, the corporate strategist.com. So, if- oh yeah, oh, Karen it. And our, our ask <laughs> would be to join our call every Monday. It's absolutely free. It's 5 p.m. PST. And you can find us at the squad.eventbrite.com
0: And for those who are not a woman of color, who would like to still attend what, and I know you've had some special guests mm-hmm. here and there. Um, what do you have for those folks? anything like any preferences like all are obviously all are welcome but like is there anything else you want to is there an asterisk there anything I anything mean, you want to add
1: all are welcome um, i mean just understand that we are curating content specifically for black women this is a space for black women to be able mm-hmm. to express themselves um, so you're welcome to, to join in that space um and if there's ground rules that usually need to be set or goals of the call we'll share those but we are creating some workshops specifically for um, white folks to teach other white folks Karen did you want to talk a little bit about that before we close
2: yeah so stop asking start doing um Mm -hmm. is workshops that are for white people led by white people so that they can have a space to unpack their racism to um really just to learn and to grow but giving them the space to do that with their people so we would facilitate Mm -hmm. it get everything together bomb keynote speaker all of that and then it's a 90-minute workshop
0: Thank you both so, so very much for coming on, for sharing your Sunday. Um, this you has been an absolute, us. yes, absolute dream and a pleasure.
1: Excellent. Thank you, Mandy. I hope
0: you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. And again, if you want to find out more about the Visionary Squad, about Blair, about Karen, go to thevisionariesquad.com. You'll see links to all of their socials and all about 2028 Cancelled. The Equality Matters podcast is a production of the Race Equality Project, brought to you by And And Productions. Executive producer and writer is me, Mandy B. Our production manager is Caroline Komuhanji. Our editor is Mike Taylor. And finally, if you want to benchmark your equity and inclusion practices with companies like the Real Real, Ripple, Uber, Dave, New Relic, GitLab, Square, just to name a few please reach out via our website, raceequalityindex.com, or you can email the team at rei at raceequalityindex.com. Or find me on LinkedIn, Mandy Bynum, at Mandy Bynum on all the socials. And thank you so much for listening. We will see you next week. Bye.